morning. I want to make sure this is, yeah, it's on. I want you to know that Flat Jesus is changing lives one location at a time. This is where I was with the Pudens family for their wedding vow renewal in Hilton Head. You can see that Flat Jesus was a participant in the wedding. And then the next shot, you see all kinds of fun at Chick-fil-A with the Ryan family on a telephone pole in Lutz, even at Dinosaur World in Plant City. But here's the coup d'etat. He goes to Europe, Stonehenge, <laughs> with the Murrays. I'm telling you, changing lives one location at a time. As we hear the pounding of progress next door, they're fixing things. But I want you to take note of this. I want you to imagine a carpenter looking at this old rocking horse. I mean, you can see it's broken, stripped of its former glory. Not even a coat of paint would hide the damage that you see here. Most people would pass on this. That's what my neighbor did. He put it out on his curb. He lives across the street, and he left it for the garbage man to pick up. Now, he probably thought it was a little weird that I picked it up. But he put it out there, and what's interesting is my neighbor is a really handy guy, super handy. But even he couldn't imagine how in the world this rocking horse could be restored and be beautiful again. But I want you to remember the carpenter, the one I asked you to imagine, who looks at this rocking horse, sees it just as it is, and chooses it, and thinks, I can do something with this. And he imagines, he can envision this rocking horse bringing joy to a child once again. Everyone else would discard it, of course. But this carpenter always chooses what's broken and then restores it to something even more beautiful than how it started. I know you want this. I know you do. But I wonder, where in your life are you broken? Are you experiencing brokenness where no matter how hard you try, no matter what you do, you can't fix it? And it not only feels broken, but it seems beyond repair, beyond restoration. Well, that's where we find Peter this morning, a first century fisherman on the Sea of Galilee. And he's not only struggling mightily, I'm going to show you a clip where you can sense his struggle. It's the dark of night. He's been up all night and once again has caught nothing. In this clip, you will see that he's at his wit's end.
people bark sometimes too. Cast after cast. I will make your descendants as many as the stars in the heavens. And then what? Huh? Make the chosen as many as the stars. Only to let Egypt enslave us for generations. Bring us out of Egypt. Part the Red Sea. Only to let us wander in the desert for 40 years. Give us the land. Only to let us be exiled in Babylon. Bring us back only to be crushed by Rome. This is the God I've served so faithfully my entire life. You're the God I'm supposed to thank. You know, if I didn't know any better, I'd say you enjoy yanking us around like goats and can't decide whether we're chosen or not. Which one is it? Well, he does have more to that sentence there. Which one is it, he says, am I chosen or not? Have you been there before? And see, what Peter doesn't know is that Jesus is about to answer his question. Am I chosen or not, God? And he's going to change the course of Peter's life. And we find it in Luke chapter 5. So join me there in verses 1 through 11, as this story comes alive with Peter on the Sea of Galilee. One day, as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. Jesus noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, Peter, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, who is also called Peter, now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. And this time, their nets were so full of fish that they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boats, and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh, Lord, please leave me. I'm a sinful man. For he was awestruck by the number of fish that they had caught, as were the others with him. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. Jesus replied to Simon, don't be afraid. Because from now on, you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. Now, Peter 
had already encountered Jesus enough to know him as master, rabbi, teacher. And we're even told in the chapter previous to this one, just the day before this great catch of fish, that Peter had personally witnessed the power of Jesus in the healing of his mother-in-law. And so he had seen all these things, and he understood Jesus a little bit. But you see, fishing was Peter's expertise. This was his domain. But suddenly, the carpenter Jesus becomes the captain. The carpenter tells the fishermen how to fish. And he says, put down your nets, Peter, which is the last thing Peter wants to hear because everyone knows that the fish aren't going to bite once the sun comes up on the Sea of Galilee. They go down deep. And can you imagine what Peter's thinking? Jesus, why don't you just stay on the shore? You can teach. You can preach. I'll, I'll just listen from my boat. You do you, Jesus. But the maddening and awesome thing about Jesus, the exasperating and wonderful thing about Jesus is he won't stay on the shore. He's not going to stay on the shore. He is a seeking and finding Savior who is going to recover what is broken and lost so he gets in boats, our boat. Jesus is not going to stay on the sideline or the margins of our lives. And he even invites himself into the places in our lives where we believe we haven't mastered. Well, let's watch as Jesus gets into Peter's boat. Simon, it's him. Excuse me. That's him, Simon. That's him. No time for this, Andrew. It's him, Simon. It's the man. John said he's here. I know. May I ask a favor? I'm teaching these people, and apparently they're having trouble hearing me. If I could stand on your boat, that would be helpful. They're having trouble hearing you, huh? Yes, yes, of course. Please, please, stand on our boat. Thank you. I need to go. I'm sorry. No time for this today. Stay a few moments longer. I have something for you. For me? Uh, I'm in a hurry. Yes, I know. Just allow me a few moments, please. Simon, trust me as I have trusted you. This man is the Messiah. It's good to see you again, Andrew. Yes. I'm Jesus. Thanks for this. Simon. In my last moments with you, I want to share another story. Can everyone hear me? Yes. Well, let's thank our friends for this strong boat, huh? Trust me, my yelling voice is not easy on the ears. Because I'm on this boat, 
My final parable should be about fishing, yes? Simon, please send me that net. When this net is thrown into the sea, what happens, Simon? Well, I mean most of the time. It gathers. A, a little louder. It gathers fish. Yes. This net gathers fish. All kinds of fish, yes? Yes. All kinds of fish. And the kingdom of heaven is like what happens next. After the net is full, Simon and the others draw it to the shore, sit down, and sort out the fish. The good fish go into the barrels, and the bad fish thrown away. So it will be at the end of the age. Angels will come and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into a fiery furnace. Do you understand? Therefore, every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven, like you all are now, is like the master of a house who brings forth his treasures, both new and old. You are to do the same with this knowledge. These parables I tell make sense to some, not to others. Be patient. That is all for today. I have some business to attend to with my new friend. that down for a catch. A little farther out. Uh, I don't have a quarrel with you, teacher. But we've been doing this all night. Nothing. All right. At your word.
I told you. I told you. I told you. brother and the baptizer. <laughs> you are the Lamb of God, yes? I am. Depart from me. I am a sinful man. You don't know who I am and the things I've done. Don't be afraid, Simon. I'm sorry. We, we've waited for you for so long, we believe. But my faith, I'm sorry. <laughs> Lift up your head, fisherman. <laughs> what do you want from me? Anything you ask, I will do. Follow me. Jesus loves Peter enough and he loves you enough that he won't stay on the shore. He is going to get involved in the circumstances of your life because he wants you to know him. He wants you to know what you were made for. But so often we prefer suggestion box Jesus where we get to pick and choose how we want Jesus involved in our lives. But that is far inferior to what you were made for. Because you were made for a real relationship with Jesus. Of closeness and intimacy and trust and full dependence. Not relating to him like he's a life coach. And Jesus wants to build trust with you so that you are offering to him the places where you feel in control. But also the places where you feel out of control. Why? Because Jesus wants every part of you, not just a little part of you. And it's not because he wants you under his thumb, but it's so that he can bring you relief to the places that are relentlessly coming at you that create restlessness and tension and anxiety in your life. He loves you enough to intrude upon your plans, your preferences, and your sense of control. This is what it means to be chosen. Because he's saying, let me call the shots. Let me take you in a new course, a new direction in your life. But where in your life do you fear the intrusion of Jesus? Where are you tempted to say, stay over the, there, Jesus, I've got this? Is it possible 
that there is a place in your life where you are stiff-arming his direction for you. Because that's how we find Peter until Jesus demonstrates the depth of his dominion, the depth of his provision and grace in this extraordinary catch of fish. And it completely disorients Peter. Because all of a sudden, he sees Jesus for who he really is. Not just a teacher on the shore, but a Messiah in his boat. God in the flesh, showing up at his door and showing up in his life. And Peter not only sees what Jesus is really like, but in this moment, he sees himself for who he really is, a sinner in need of a savior, laid bare of the presumption of self-reliance and control, Peter now sees himself as someone who needs Jesus. And notice, it's not because Jesus says, you need to get on your knees, boy. No. He's on his knees because of the overabundance of provision and grace and goodness of Jesus in that moment. Friends, let the boatloads of Jesus' overabundant provision and grace and goodness bring you to your knees. And then day by day, you will begin to see a change of course in your life. And you will notice real transformation happening in you. Because the transformation that Peter experiences and every follower of Jesus, both living in the first century to the 21st century, can describe their moment with Jesus and real transformation and the course of their lives changing like this. I was, but God, and now. I was, but God, and now. This is a picture of real transformation. This is what being chosen looks like. This is what happens when Jesus gets in boats. Peter's boat, your boat, my boat. I was, but God, and now. Listen now as three members of First Pres share their story of I was, but God, and now. Hi, I am Norman Giovinco. I am not going to wing it today, even though one time you heard Kathy give a sermon on how she was moved by my heartfelt winging it speech at my niece's wedding. So I took some notes and I will um, do the questions now. So I was lost and a slave of all my choices, but God called me by name. He brought me in and said I was his. He brought Fitz and Kathy in my life many years ago. They approved me for their first and favorite child, Angie. By the way, Dan Fields thinks he's their favorite, but it is definitely Angie. 
I am chosen and not forsaken. I am redeemed by Jesus and made new. I am a child of God. I am not afraid because Jesus is the king of the world. I am blessed with a wonderful family and life. I am very thankful for the community of other believers that have been in my life and helped us raise our two incredible children that we are so very proud of. Thank you. My name is Rob Lastra. I was scared and uncomfortable to bring a child into this world. I didn't feel qualified to or really deserving. Wasn't sure if I was qualified or deserving to take care and be the father of such a precious gift that was being given to me. But God assured me that I don't need to only be confident in myself. He's inviting me to have confidence in him to give me everything I need to be a good and qualified father. Now, I'm excited to be a dad. I don't have to carry around fear with me that I don't know how to do the right thing or can't do the right thing. I have a heavenly father to put my trust in and to help me be a dad and guide me. Now I can thrive as, as a dad for that reason. So thank God that my kids are gonna have so much more than me and my wife to depend on because something tells me they might need it. My name is Jessica Samaru. I was lost, scared, confused, timid, traumatized, and dissociated from growing up being abused. But God found me, held me, protected me, saved me, rescued me, guided me. I am unconditionally loved, saved, free, safe, in love with life, at peace with myself, both my past and my current situations, and I am a child of God. Thank you. They just shared their I was but God and now story with you, but what is yours? My hunch is it might be just beginning, it's unfolding. Maybe you're having to think back. And I want you to remember it this morning. Because that boat that Jesus was on eventually went back to the shore. And Jesus walked to Jerusalem. And he put himself on that cross to make it possible for our sins to be forgiven. For us to then welcome like Peter did the grace and goodness of Jesus so that because of the cross, he chooses us, restores us, and sets us on a new course of life. So this morning, I want you, as you come forward for communion, to take one of these sheets of paper that says, I was, but God, and now. And in the silence of communion, Take the pen and begin writing your story wherever you are in that journey and do two things with it. Take it home and thank God for it. But also, 
Someone needs to hear your story. Just a second. Someone needs to hear your story. You're sitting here because Peter told his I was but God and now story. He told someone who told someone who told someone and told Luke, and Luke told us. That's why we're here. Someone needs to hear your story. And you don't need to act like a weirdo to do it. You just pray with intention, God, who needs to hear my story? He'll show you. And then this room will fill up with people because you shared I was but God and now. I want to invite you to enjoy the fact that you have been chosen and that Jesus wants all of you and that he loves your story. Tell it. Because he died on a cross for it. On the night of his arrest, after giving thanks to God, he broke the bread. And he said, thank you, God. And then he said, this is my body broken for you. Whenever you eat it, I want you to remember what I did for you. And then he took the cup after supper and said, this cup is the new covenant sealed in my blood. And whenever you drink it, I want you to remember what I did for you so that you would have your story. I was, but God, and now. Friends, these are the gifts of God for the people of God. Come forward in faith. Let your story unfold. And join us now, elders.